So we are we are actually live right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to be on this podcast. This is AJS Ministry uh, Thursday night, actually July 1st. My God, today, July 1st, 2021. And we're live on Zoom and Facebook Live on the Tabernacle of Fire is in you. This is our weekly podcast every Thursday. We have different guests. And even though we are in ministry, we don't just stick with uh, things that are in the church. We reach outside because when Jesus was walking on earth, he didn't stay in a building. So we're reaching out to people that have access and resources and knowledge. And we want to introduce to you, to some and to others and to those that never met Michael Garner. He's a former graduate of High Park Career Academy. And we're all very proud of him. And he's done some marvelous things that he's going to have a chance to talk to us about tonight. He's our special guest, Michael J. Gardner. He has an MBA. He's the Chief Diversity Inclusive and Inclusive Officer of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in the state of New York. That means all of New York. And it's one of the largest transportation systems in the world. And he's one of the country's leading diversity professionals. Michael Gardner is also is a diversity champion, uh, making it his personal and professional mission to create more business opportunities and environment for change and growth by creating new programs, Mr. Gardner and his team. And he's always, uh, it's always very interesting as you talk to Mike, he always talks about other people and the people around him. His team was responsible for helping to bring about 12 billion, not 12, thousand twelve billion dollars in payments to New York City minority and women-owned businesses. Let me say that again. That's a blessing for anybody that hears this. And, and I just pray to God that those of you that may not be live with us, that you'll share that there are brothers and sisters in the world that are doing powerful work that don't get recognized. And Mike does get recognition. He's a very humble man. But I just want to say again, he and his team of, of staff and one of those staff persons, Sister McDillia Tavares, we thank God for her, $12 billion in payments to New York City minority and women-owned businesses. That's a blessing in itself. And Mr. Gardner, Mike God, we call him Mike, the Mr. Gardner tonight, uh, upon his arrival to the uh, MTA, Metropolitan Authority, Transportation Authority, he has improved the hiring for, for African-Americans, uh, Hispanics, and Asians by 20% across the MTA, six different operating agencies. Uh, Mike has a page and a half, uh, almost two pages, of information that I could read for the next 20 minutes and he can expound upon. But I want to point out a couple of things that he does share. In addition to the 12 million, there's another to date under his direction uh, with the small businesses that he's impacting for mentoring programs. Uh, they have awarded 451 contracts, totaling $486 million to program participants. Hallelujah. Overall, through the MTA, the MWDBE uh, programs, the results speak for themselves. Mr. Gardner has also helped distribute $5.5 billion to New York certified minority women business uh, uh, entities. And so we just want to thank you, Mike, in addition to that. Uh, and, and as well as being the founder of the uh, former um, 
Governor's D uh, David Person Small Business Advisory. Um, he's a Harlem uh, Hospital Board member, and he's also on the 100 Black Men of America, the Chairman, Development of Cooperation and Relationships. He actually part of the founding committee, if I'm not mistaken, right, Mike? Uh, yes. You can share that with us as, as we get into this. Uh, and I, I said to everybody, we could go on and read for the next 20 minutes. I just want to give one more piece. Uh, he has increased the membership of the uh, 100 Black Men. Uh, it's one of the larger uh, chapters uh, of, of the year award that he received for 100 Black Men. He increased their membership to 173, million, uh, 173 members, and he secured a 5,000 square foot corporate building. Hallelujah. 5,000 square foot cooperation billion that's valued at $3.9 million. And it's on the famous 125th. I introduced to you a man of God who's been blessed. And, and he didn't just take his blessings and go hide it in a cupboard. This man has been generous uh, uh, in his life. As, and, and all of High Park Critics Academy, all of Chicago, and everywhere you've gone, New York should be very proud of what you have done so unselfishly, and I wish the world had more people like you. We salute you, we honor you, we welcome you, my brother. God bless you, and, and we'll turn it over to you. You got 50 minutes to share anything you want uh, to discuss. I know your agenda today is, is um, let me get back to that. Uh, your agenda was speaking on development, and so we want to make sure that as we continue uh, growing with Mike and growing in the understanding of his message to us today, <clears throat> that he is sharing all that he knows in this little bit of time. And it's like pouring uh, a gallon into a thumbnail or into a, <laughs> a shot glass. There's just no way you're going to get it all done. But we welcome you, Michael Gardner, uh, Chief uh, Diversity Inclusive uh, Officer out of New York over the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. We welcome you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Um, I normally call you Coach Seals, but I will call, call you Elder Seals tonight. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> you know, I, I started to get nervous all Jack Gosen because when, when someone is reading your bio and it lasts for more than two minutes, you think they're actually awake. And so, but I'm, I'm here um, and I just, I just want to thank you uh, for your outstanding leadership and your experience um, in the city of Chicago, where you have um, worked in a number of capacities, including at High Park High School, uh, Operation Push, and uh, the uh, CHA, and making a difference in the lives of Black people and people um, in general um, in Chicago. You know, it, it is often a blessing that when God bless you, uh, we have an obligation to bless others. And so I, I would like to thank you for your outstanding leadership and your wisdom and your guidance. I also want to thank my High Park family. Um, who would have thought that when we were students um, getting our education and learning how to become thinkers and make great decisions uh, so we can be, be prepped to go to college and, and graduate schools and law schools and medical schools and become leaders. But the foundation was, was, was set, at, set at High Park. You know, it was a funny thing. Uh, there was a... Um, a poll taken of successful CEOs, and they wanted them to list what were the most successful traits. And it wasn't wealth, it wasn't network, but it was grit, grit. Mm -hmm. Not how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get up. 
that's going to make the difference of you being uh, uh, being successful. And so we we have the ability to to uh, grow and develop at Hyde Park, uh, getting knocked down, getting back up, learning how, how to play sports, learning how to build teams and execute missions and visions. And so I, I think my um, all of my instructors and coaches and all the rest at Hyde Park High School in my growth and development um, as, as a leader. Uh, let me also say that, um, Coach, I've, I've been associated with the Black church all my life. Um, and if it, if they, the, the old folks in the South used to say that, that we've come this far by faith, by faith. And so we all have come this far by faith. And I, I thank God every day for his blessing and understanding of who I was going to be before I was in my mother's womb. And so mm-hmm. thank, thank God for his uh, grace and his blessings. And so right, um, I, I just I just wanted to let people know that I did not introduce or, or give you a correct um, topic tonight, uh, but I have it here focusing on solutions and driving effective diversity change. And so I want people to know and thank you for the compliments and thank you for uh, the Hyde Park Career Academy family that we have uh, a, a, a man, a gentleman by the name of Coach Arthur Hiram that's on the line. Uh, that coached you, but I was an adult when I came there in 1975, and he was a mentor for me too. And so he has touched a lot of lives, and I just want to acknowledge him if you don't mind. I know you mention him all the time, and we just want to say thank you to the man who has touched thousands of lives and unselfishly and, and given his life to what? Art Harms, how many years were you there? 35, 40 years at High Park? Plus, not anytime I went, you went to school there. <laughs> You're on mute. Oh, uh, that that's, comes from church services. You know, we're busy muting. But 34 years at Hyde Park, 37 wow. years with the uh, CPS. Wow. Wow. Well, we want to thank you. And, and uh, we'll turn it back over to our guest tonight, uh, Michael Gardner, Chief of Direct, uh, Diversity Inclusion Officer out of New York. So we praise God for you. Mike is going to be talking to us about it. He doesn't have to stay on script. Um, and, and he comes out of the church. And so when the spirit moves you in a different direction, go ahead. But his focus on solutions and driving effective diversity change. Hallelujah. Great, great. Thank you. Thank you. And, and yes, I, I, I echo Coach Harms. I, I still hear his wisdom in talking to us, almost complaining to us about, about doing better because one day we would need education. I recall... Uh, one one year we were in a, a driver education uh, course, and and Coach Arms and 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 Coach uh, Aldridge they were talking about Cooley High because Cooley High had, had came out that summer and and the basketball team was playing Cooley High that year, and they gave us the story of Cooley High um, and how preach uh, that was a true story about him leaving Chicago and and hitchhiking to L.A. and taking a um, a script um, course uh, at, at one of the city colleges in Los Angeles. And he and, and Michael Evans uh, wrote a script and the script t- was turned into uh, good times. And that's, that's a true story. And so uh, coach, coach Harms was, was getting on us about learning how to drive and how we should take the driver education course seriously because in the next two or three years that we would be frantic about, about driving. So that, that story, uh, stayed in my psyche and stayed in my mind 
And so I, I just wanted to thank Coach Harms for his uh, guidance and, and mentoring and tutoring also as well. But I'm, I'm the, um, the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer for the MTA, that's the Metropolitan Transportation Authority uh, for the state of New York. We are the largest transportation network in North America with 70,000 employees. And we service 14 counties, uh, 5,000 square miles, uh, buses, subways, and commuter rail. We have an annual budget of $16 billion a year. And we have, uh, we spend in a, uh, between six and $7 billion a year. And we have a, a five-year capital budget of $54.8 billion. And what that means is that we're building a lot more subway stations and equipping them for, for access. Um, we are building new buildings. And so, but we, we want to do, we want to spend taxpayers' monies um, in a cost-effective manner because it's, it's uh, taxpayers' monies being spilled, spent. But we also want to spend th those dollars in an inclusive manner. And this organization is led by a chairman and CEO and a whole entire board. But the person who makes this organization run is Governor Andrew Cuomo, um, who is the head of uh, the, the MTA. He's the head of 97 state agencies and authorities in the state of New York. And the MTA happens to be the largest state authority. Uh, we are regional. But it's Andrew Cuomo who has extended his muscle and who, who mandated that 97 agencies and state authorities in the state of New York, they are going, going to spend not less than 30% of their dollars with New York State certified um, minority-owned firms. And so um, based upon the governor's uh, mandate, uh, the governor has, um, has created the most effective minority business program in the country. His, his um, metrics from last year was that the state of New York spent $3.1 billion with New York State minority women-owned firms in one year. The MTA, we spent $772 million, and we equated for 25% of those totals. And, and, and the reason, Jack Gosen, why it is extremely important uh, for a government to find a way to spend dollars with Black and, and other minority-owned uh, minority companies is because access to contracts equals job creation in those communities, home ownership opportunities, better educational option and healthcare options. And so my, my team of 80 people, uh, we live, breathe, eat, sleep uh, by creating programs that's going to allow us to award contracts to those businesses who historically have been shut out. And so we, we have created one of, the, one of the best programs in the country. Let me just give you our, our metrics. In addition to the $772 million uh, that we paid uh, two years ago in one year to New York State MWB firms, we also paid an additional $304 million on our federal uh, projects because the MTA is the largest recipient of federal mass transit funding. And so the 772 million plus the 306 million equals 1.1 billion. So in one year, we paid 1.1 billion to New York State certified minority women-owned firms, uh, the tops in the state and almost the top, uh, the top in, in the country. And so um, 
let me say that with that being said, that uh, we, we are now in a standard. We have individuals calling us from all over the country, including London and Canada, asking us, how do we do it? We, we do this simply by focusing on solutions and not being blinded by problems. When you focus on solutions, great things happen. I, I work for, for a, a former mayor who was a, a brilliant billionaire businessman by the name of uh, Mike Bloomberg. And Mike Bloomberg became the, the mayor of the city of New York. And prior to me coming here, I spent 14 years um, at the New York City School Construction Authority. And that organization is responsible for building all of the schools in the city of New York. Um, our, our school system has 1.1 million students. We are the largest school system in the nation. And so we were created to build uh, schools effectively. And so we, we got it down that we were building new schools in a total of 18 months. And we would then turn the keys over to the principals on August 1st. And that principal then had the, the obligation of building his, his, his team um, and creating a school that was going to open in the first week in September. Because, you know, if, if a school is not opening on time, it's a front page story and it's an embarrassment. And so we, we had the ability of building a school safely, timely and on budget. And it was there that I had the opportunity with my team to create some very, very, very innovative uh, business programs that afforded opportunities for black and Latin owned companies. And so I was there for 14 years when I got a phone call one day from, from, um, from the, the governor's appointment secretary asking me if, if I wanted to um, come over to the MTA and assume a newly created position that was going to, uh, that was going, going to only report to the chairman and CEO. And so I said, you know, I, I'll, I'll think about it. It sounds like, like a great opportunity. But I was trying to, to stay at the School Construction Authority and bask in the glory of what we had created. And then the folks started calling me, and somebody said, you know, the greater the challenge, the greater the payoff. The greater the challenge, the greater the payoff. And so, so I went, and my first day I came here, and I closed my door in my office, and, and I have a partial view of the Statue of Liberty in my office. My, my, my office is four blocks from Wall Street. And I, and, I, and, and I asked God, I said, Lord, what have I got myself into now? This massive organization that was resistant to effective change. But, but God brought, brought me through. Um, and now we, we have one of the most um, innovative, effective minority business programs in the country built upon results. And so um, I, I would say, uh, Coach, that in 1975, I was um, sitting in the Maryland Theater and I was watching this movie that was called Across the 110th Street, um, one of those, those old black movies. And fast forward years later, guess where I live? I live on 110th Street across the street from Central Park. That's where Harlem starts. So my friends tell me, and they joke to me all the time, they say, listen, you don't, don't, don't live in Harlem. 
Uh, you, you just made it. Uh, uh, Harlem starts at 110th Street. So you just made it, made it in, in Harlem. But no, I mean, you know, who, who, would, who, who would have imagined that in 1975, sitting in the Maryland Theater on 63rd in Maryland, that one, and watching across the 110th Street, that one day I will be uh, living on 110th Street. Wow, mind, mind are boggling, mind boggling. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded, um, Coach, from Psalms 1-3, from Psalms 1-3. And it simply says that he shall be like a tree planted by the river water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. Whatever he does, he shall prosper. And, and Jack Goldstein, I believe that because, you know, when, when God blesses you with an opportunity, when God blesses you personally, you must always bless other people. And if you bless other people, God will continue blessing you. And my life and my journey has been nothing more than a blessing. And I thank God every day for the empowerment. I thank him every day for allowing me to think big and execute big. You know, I was, I was, I was in Chicago a, a, a few weeks ago and I went to a church service and there, there's a pastor who has his church about a block uh, across the street from Hirsch High School. And some friends and I went in there and, and, and heard a great message. And he knew the pastor and the pastor said, well, listen, you know what? I will, will meet you um, in this new church complex, 3,800 seat complex that he built across the street from Hirsch High School. Is that Pastor John Hanna? John Hanna. Amen. <laughs> and, and so John, John, John Hanna had one of his assistant pastors to to do the faith walk from where his present church is to where his new church is. And, and so we walked into the uh, lobby and sure enough, Pastor Hannah walked in and gave us a personal tour, a personal tour of this new complex that he built in a, a dead place. Yes, yes. And that's why he, he asked us to go and do the walk of faith. So on that plane, I was, fly, I was flying back to New York. And I, and I got back in my office and I, I called my, my five deputies uh, in, in the office and they all sat out. And I said, you know, from this point on, we are going to think big and we're going to execute big. And if you're not willing to think big, and execute big, you are in the wrong place. And I said that if anybody gets in your way of your vision and your execution, circle back around to me and I will run them over. And so we are thinking big, we are executing big at North America's largest transportation uh, network. And, and, and I would say, um, I'm not sure about you guys, but at the apex of, of COVID, 
One night, we lost 799 people. And, and, and I got so fearful, fearful that I was afraid to go outside. So it was a period of time in two or three days, I, I stayed in the house. And then and, and I was on these Zoom calls and I felt like I was trapped. 799 people died overnight in the city of New York. You know, you know and I live about three blocks from a hospital. And every 30 seconds, I would hear that siren, you know, going, going on, going on, going on. And I was afraid to look at the news. I, I would watch the news. And then, then when they started talking about the COVID deaths, I would turn the station and then turn back. And then one day, God spoke to me and said, you cannot please me if you don't have faith. Mm. You cannot please me if you don't have faith. So then every, every day I started going outside, grabbing my car, making an excuse just to get in my car and drive around and listen to the radio station. You know, and I found the Walgreens that, would, that, that stayed open all night. Um, and I made friends with the sales staff. So whenever they got Lysol products in, they would call me and I would get in the car, I would drive down and I would buy those Lysol products, you know? And, and so now I have a cabinet full of Lysol products I would probably never use in my lifetime, you know? You know and I started sending family Lysol products all around the country, going to FedEx, putting it in a box and shipping it to them and they would call me and thank me. But we, we, we got through this pandemic and I, and I always said that, you know, you should, you, you have to have the ability to look beyond the storm. When you are in a storm, you got to have the ability to look beyond the storm. And so we, we are on the verge right now of opening up our whole city. Um, we are sensing the, the excitement here. Um, we have a new $54.8 uh, billion capital budget where we are awarding contracts and contracts and contracts. And my staff have the ability of making sure that before a contract is, is awarded, that the minority business plan is on there. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't award a contract until I finally sign off. I'm the last person to sign off on it before it goes to the board. And, and, and it's an amazing thing to look at businesses and look at people and equip them with contracts and they are hiring more staff. They're buying homes. Um, they're, they're, they, they, are, they are becoming part of, of the, of the middle class. I'm going to break for one second because the, the janitorial staff just shut the lights off. Hold on. Just some awesome information about faith and trusting and believing and sharing and thinking big, thinking out of the box. And so we want to thank Mike as he comes back in. They turned off the lights. He went turn them back on because he That's right. said nothing's going to stop this podcast tonight. So That's amen. Right. He's just it. going for it. You got it. And 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 there's there's a scripture also that that I often reflect. Um, sometimes we are are caught up in a rut that we don't even know that we're in a rut, and you you don't realize that you're in a rut until you have the opportunity to get in your car and drive someplace, or you're sitting on that plane and you drive someplace, you say, you know something? I was in a rut and didn't even know it. 
And sometimes you, you are in a rut and you don't feel like doing anything, you know, and you sit around and you, you're not motivated to do anything. And, and it's like the man in John 5, 4, who was, who was at the pool of uh, Bethesda and sat there for 38 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 in those those days, the Jews thought that when an angel jumped into that pool and stirred the pool up, if you jumped in, uh, you was healed. And so I'm told that the mere mention of that name in the Jewish times and Jewish days that they would just break up and start shouting because that pool had a a a, a uh, like healing power. And then the the guy stayed there for 38 years, feeling sorry for himself sick, ailing. And then Christ came by and said, do you want to get well and be made whole? And, and, and he jumped in and he was made whole. Sometimes when, when we don't have the motivation that we think that we can't do something, um, if you think you can't do it, you're not going to do it. But if you get up and prep yourself and do it and execute it, you, you would be shocked at what the results would be. You know, so um, I've, I've always took that story to heart that if I was going to do something, I just got up and do it. And the funny thing is, is that when you do do that, everything seems to fall in place. You know, everything seems to fall in place. Who, who would have thought that I would be a vice president, chief diversity and inclusion officer of the largest transportation network for the state of New York? Um, who would have thought that I would have come home? I was born in Harlem, grew up in Woodlawn in Chicago, and came back home. Um, who would have thought that I would be exposed to great leaders? There's a, a photograph of four men walking across 135th Street in Harlem. And they were tabbed, the gang of four. And it was Congressman Charlie Rangel. It was... David Dinkins, it was an attorney who was Malcolm X attorney by the name of Percy Sutton, who, who became a, um, a, a, million, a millionaire businessman. And then it was Basil Patterson, whose son grew, grew up to be the governor of the state of New York, David Patterson. That, that picture is a picture of, of empowerment. Because as opposed to those four men waiting for someone to come and hand them power, they went out and they took power. And, and David Dinkins became the mayor, the first black mayor of, of the city of New York. Charlie Rangel became chairman of Ways and Means in Congress. Uh, Percy Sutton had the idea of getting into business and, and buying a radio station. And the story goes, that it was like a small station and a, and a, and, and a gentleman got on a, a Greyhound bus in Buffalo, New York. He was a young disc jockey and he came unannounced and he went into the, the office and said that I'm here to see Percy Sutton. And the secretary said, do, do you have an appointment to see Mr. Sutton? You know, he says, no, but I'm here to help him. So Mr. Sutton uh, met with him and the gentleman said, that if you hire me, I will take your radio station and I will turn it into the biggest, the best radio station in the country. 
So Mr. Sutton hired Frankie Crocker. Frankie Crocker turned WBLS into the top radio station in the country with the new urban format. And, and then Basil Patterson uh, was the first black secretary of state for the state of New York, whose son grew up to be the governor. And so the gang of four um, inspired me. And so one day about, about three years ago, I got a phone call from City Hall. And they asked me if I wanted to speak at Mayor David Dinkins' 90th birthday. You know, and I said, sure, like, like all means, yeah, sure. So I went to, to uh, Gracie Mansion. There was about a thousand people inside, outside. And then the, the uh, program started, you know, um, and they asked me to come, come backstage. I said, okay, I sent out. At his birthday party, there was three speakers. Yeah. It was the current mayor, it was Mayor Dinkins, and then it was me. Not Congressman Rango, not um, David Patterson, not anybody else. It was me. And last, uh, about two years ago, I, I, I was with Mayor Dinkins, and I said, you know, um, I knew I made it in New York City when I was only one of three speakers at your 90th birthday party. Amen. Amen. So he looked and smiled at me and said, listen, you made it a long time before that, you know. But, you know, I mean, God God just, just has a way of putting you in the right place at the right time with the right people to be empowered to execute his mission, to execute his mission. And so once again, I mean, this has been a great journey. So let me, uh, let me also just flip for a second. Um, when I first, first got back here uh, at the college, there was a very, very prominent organization called the 100 Black Men. And it was created in 1963 by baseball great Jackie Robinson, um, other Black leaders, including um, David Dinkins at that given point in time. And they were created because there was a, a female Black socialite who made a U-turn in Midtown Manhattan and she got arrested and she was taken down to the station and the highest ranking uh, person at NYPD, judge, I mean, uh, Bob Magnum, who became a judge, he went to the station house, Coach Harms, and he voided the arrest. He voided the arrest there were people who was calling for his firing by going to a station house and avoiding the arrest. And, and then a group of black leaders got together and they said that we need to, to form a organization that's gonna deal with black issues in the city of New York. And, and someone said that we are gonna call ourselves 100 men. And David Dinkins said that we're gonna call ourselves exactly who we are. We are gonna call ourselves 100 black men. And calling yourself 100 Black Men in 1963 was a very monumental thing because we were still calling each other Negro. And so since that time, there are 97 chapters of the 100 Black Men across, across the nation, including Chicago. And if, if you would have told me that, that uh, after I got back from college that one day 
I would have been the president of 100 Black Men here in New York, right? Um, I would have asked you, what type of bad weed are you smoking? You know, but hey, listen, you know, God, God has, has a way of working things out. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking very, very much forward to working on this special assignment with Jack Golson and Coach Harms and Sandra and, and, and Coach Seals as we enter the phase of getting involved in a conversation um, with the Obama Center of making sure that students who were once like us trying to find our way, making sure that those students are going to benefit from this $500 million uh, complex that's going up, that's going to be supplemented by a, a PGA golf course that's being designed by Tiger, Tiger Woods. And, and once again, who, who would have thought that in the 1970s that we would have had a black president of this country because we were still fighting to get a black mayor. You know, Harold Washington was, was elected when in 1983? In, in 1983. Yeah. A black president of the United States of America who could have put his complex anywhere in the world, but he chose his complex to be built right across the street from Hyde Park High School in Jackson Park. Mind-boggling. Down the street from the national headquarters of, of AKA. God knew. And so we are, we are in the right place at the right time on the right mission. And we're gonna think big and we're gonna execute big. And we're going to ensure that students who may be mired in poverty, students who may come from a one parent household, students who may be raised by a grandmother, we're gonna make sure that those students are empowered, that they're gonna get exposure, that they're gonna have opportunities that they ordinarily would not have because we are in the right place at the right time with the right team. And we basically came together because Elder Seals reached out just to check in and to say hello. And the conversation kept evolving. And then we said that, listen, let's get involved with this Obama project and make sure that it's gonna be beneficial. And so we kept talking and we're keep, we keep talking and we're gonna refine our acts as to what we're gonna ask for and what we are gonna get. Because um, if you think about the victory, the, the victory is already yours. And so there's, there's a very, very famous book out uh, that talks about the seven most effective habits of, of, of uh, successful people. And one, and one of the concepts is, is that you think about the end result first, and then you work your way back. Think about your end result first, and then you walk your way back. And so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm positive, I'm convinced that we are going to um, have a great impact with these students. And then um, I may be blessed, like Coach Seals and Coach Harms, to 
look 20 years from now and to see some of those students come back and say, you know, if it had not been for you, uh, I wouldn't have, I would not have gotten this opportunity. And so thank you. And, 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 and a funny quick story. Um, I had first gotten back from uh, college and I'm walking down the street and I see this young kid um, in a, on, on a basketball court and he's, you know, stroking and shooting uh, his basketball, you know, and, and I went in and I gave him some pointers and I saw him, you know, like, like down, like down through the years. Right. And so he was at a Catholic high school um, in the Bronx called, called Cardinal Hayes. And then he graduated, he's playing basketball. And then he graduated from Cardinal Hayes and went to Boston College. And he graduated from Boston College and he um, um, left there and went to law school. And then he basically um, graduated from law school. And in doing, in doing one of those summers, I saw him working in Foot Locker. So I had the opportunity to move him out of Foot Locker and get a summer internship uh, with me. And he came back every summer. And his, his mother was working in the post office and she was raising two sons. His, his dad passed away uh, when, when he was about seven or eight. And so about, about three years ago, he, he, he called me and said, listen, I want to take you to dinner one night. I said, it's fine. So we met in Harlem at, at, at Sylvia's, a famous soul food restaurant called Sylvia's. And he thanked me. You know, and I said, thank me for what? He said, you know, um, I was growing up without a father. Uh, you took time out. You gave me guidance. You afforded me the opportunity to come and work with you. Um, so I said, you know what? It, it, it is not necessary to thank me because if, if I'm in a position to help you, shame on me if I don't help you. You know, and he told me this. He said, yeah, but everybody don't do it. Everybody does not do it. And so helping people along the way, planting seeds like uh, you, Coach Harms and Seals, planting seeds, one day those seeds will grow and they will come back and they, and, and they will thank you. And so, right, I want to personally thank the both, of, um, the both of you for doing the right thing, giving us the right guidance, teaching us the right lessons. And so we can take that and we can leave Hyde Park High School and we can go other places, do the right thing, have grit, have focus, learn to think big, and learn to execute big. Right, I'm gonna leave you with this final story. I was, um, I was in, in, in college at Buffalo, in SUNY Buffalo, and I was flying back to Chicago one year. And I went and I checked in and I went and I gave the lady my ticket. And she gave me my ticket. I walked down the tunnel. I got on a plane and I looked at the ticket and the ticket said seat 1A. So I sat out. It was in first class. So I started breaking out in a, in a, in a James Brown cold sweat because I thought that they had charged my credit card for a first class ticket. So I, I left my seat, walked back out, and I said, ma'am, there must be some mistake. I paid for a coach ticket, 
and I'm sitting in the first class. And, and she said, young man, relax. She said, you was dressed so well that we automatically bump you up to first class. So, I'm, I mean, I was like, wow, I, I, was, I was emotional. I almost started, started crying. I'm walking back down. I says, damn, here I am, a poor college student growing up in Woodlawn, the south side of Chicago, and I'm going to sit in first class. So I got back on the plane. I sat down and I said, excuse me, scotch on the rocks, please. <laughs> I, was, I was going to enjoy that experience. Right, but here, here's, here's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is this, is that although I had a first-class ticket, I had a second-class mentality. First-class ticket, I had a second-class mentality because I thought that I should not be in first class. So I questioned it. And, and as I talk to business leaders sometime, I tell them, that there are people who will tell you what you can't have because of what you don't have. Well, we, we, we can't award you this contract because, because um, you don't have a, a line of credit or surety bonding, or this contract is too big for you. And so I tell business leaders every day to put that nonsense to the side. You focus, you get, you ascertain, you get the opportunity you finish, you bring value to what that project is, and guess what will happen? Your business will, will grow by leaps and bounds. And so um, first class ticket, first class mentality. So I wanna thank uh, Elder Seals for this opportunity to come and share my story. And I hope that, I'm gonna, that I've blessed somebody along the way with some inspiration and some guidance on scripture. Psalms 1-3, John 5-4-5-5. And everything that he will do shall prosper. Right? I'm a living testimony and a living witness that God will take you, will bless you as far as you can see. Thank you. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you. I think we should all just give him a round of applause. Let's give him a, and just take it off mute, everybody, and just say thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. He even wow. went into the scriptures, y'all, I tell you, because that's where it's all about, really. It's not about the, the physical building of the church. It's what's in you. And, and uh, I thought at one point you almost had tears in your eyes. I know I felt it because... You know that it's God that has blessed you, Mike. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, we are also grateful of the humility. I, I didn't hear arrogance. I didn't hear pride. I heard a man say, I came from 175th Street, but in 1975, I don't know if you all can add that up, but that's about 46 years ago. And, and so if you go 46 years ago, I was 24, uh, 25, something like that. And, and so when you think about where God has brought us from, he says something very, you know, uh, according to the tree that's planted by the water. And so when you, when you know that your faith, that's really what you were saying to us, Mike, is beyond all the education. And I'm sitting here looking at Buffalo State University uh, recognizes uh, the State University of New York recognizes Mike Garner, Chief and uh, Diversity uh, Officer 
uh, and all the great things he's done. And they're giving you an outstanding distinguished alumnus award. You didn't even mention it. And that's, that's the pride of, of humility, the spirit of humility, excuse me. The, 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 the spirit that says that I can do all things not because of who I am. And everything that you said to me, and I hope everybody, I'm going to ask everybody else to share their comments, but I'm just led in the spirit to say, you are a living witness because you think big. And one of the problems we have as Black men and Black people sometimes, we don't see ourselves as being first class. And because you carry yourself in a certain mm -hmm. way, you don't know how you impact somebody else's life. And so I know that what you've done today has inspired me to keep on going. This is one of the hardest weeks I've had since I started this podcast. To wake up in the morning at, at, and your son's in the hospital, your, your other son is waiting on biopsies reports and your brother gets hit by a car the next morning. It's like, God, what is going on? And, and by, the, by, the, by last night or this morning, I get phone calls, everybody's doing fine. So the grace of God on your life, Mike, mm -hmm. that you come back and you're saying to everybody here, Really, what you're saying to us, stop sitting around and complaining. Don't look at, at the, the problems. Look at the solutions and be a solution. Be the answer to the problems. And so you challenged me because I, I didn't call to get involved with Obama Center. I called everybody to say thank you <laughs> to all these young men that I've had chip privilege of coaching and people I've been around. And you said, Mike, why not? And this is Mike's idea, and I want people to know this because I think it's important to give honor where honors do. That it was your vision that also kept us going. That, hey, we got this institution across the street called Obama Center, and I got relationships. Help us put some leverage on that. Get in touch with the people at Hyde Park alumni. And, and that's what's driven us to do this. And I'm so grateful for you being on. Elder Himes, I, years ago, he told me, you can do great things, Anton. You don't have to stay here. You got, you got the ability to write and talk to people the way you do. Get out of here if you want to. That's up to you. He never knew that. And I don't think I ever told him, went back and told him. The uh, reason I stepped out and went to Operation Push, because he said, you know, you can do so much more, Seals. You know, and so I want to thank you, uh, Hirams. I want to thank you, all you guys, uh, Ronald Drink, uh, Jack Golston, Sandra. These are High Park Career Academy students who, who are impacting our lives. That that even challenged up. Jack Golston challenged me, you know, and I thank him for that. I thank Ronald Drink for challenging me when I was sick. Coach, you got to keep pressing on. You can't give up. Uh, Sandra calls, says, uh, Coach, we can do this. We can do this. And so we're here, Mike, because because you had a vision and we're just supporting it. And I want to turn it over to whoever wants to make some comments. God bless your heart. Let me say this, uh, Coach. When we, we had talked a few weeks ago, you, had, you, you were saying that you don't know if we can continue. And I told you, don't quit before the miracle. Don't right. quit right. before the miracle. Amen. Because I was saying, I, I don't need all this. I've retired. I don't need no stress. <laughs> and I held on. And so I'm expecting miracles. I'm teaching faith for the last 15 weeks. So I'm expecting miracles. Amen. Yeah. Someone else? Mm. Mm. I, I'd just like to say that uh, Obama has some hard competition in the paint as an orator from a Michael Gardner. That was an exquisite oration of not only dealing with the lemons in our lives, but 
those dark spots and those blind spots that we don't see. And what I heard was the faith that you had in God, number one, and number two, in yourself, because without those two components, you don't make it. Right. And so I thank you, Michael, for just fulfilling destiny. God had already worked it out in 1975 when you were in the theater. Mm. Yep. He knew it. Yep. And you He's found Alpha it. Omega. That's right. That's right. So uh, beginning and the end. And all of this for all of us, you know, keep on keeping on. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I, you know what? I, 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 um, it's like the first thing that came to my mind was, was, uh, when Bernie Mac was talking about his kids, he, he had to start taking care of when he said, I know him, but I don't know him. And I thought, and, and it's like, that's how, I, that's how I was looking at you, Mike. It's like, okay, that's my classmate. You know, I know his name, but, it's like, well, and I, I would always wonder, how did you get there? You know, it's like, you know, you're here at school, you're at Hyde Park, but how did, how did you do such a transformation and get there? That, that, that that's a story that young black men need to know to mm -hmm. get from here to there and 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 what what went along in between there letting them apparently you did not give up despite what your circumstances were you continued and you pressed on how you do that because i do believe that not just the young black men but people period adults they want how do i get from a to Z. And along the way, how do I do I continue to hold on so I can get, I won't even say Z. How do I get from A to B? Because sometimes it takes small steps. Sometimes we don't realize it takes small steps to get to where we gotta go. But but apparently you were all as as coach say, it was already done, but you had to believe. You had to have the faith to know I can do this and look at where you are today. That that beginning story is so valuable to so many people. I really appreciate mm -hmm. hearing. So today I can say, I know him. I can, you know, that there's a difference because you you're sharing your story. You shared your story to me that I didn't know who you were. I could see you years and years, see your, but I didn't know you. Today, I learned you today. And I'm very appreciative of your story. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you. You know, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, a friend of mine invited me to a documentary last weekend. And it's probably going to come out. It's in, the, it's in the theaters right now, but it's going to come out, I guess, on TV, probably in about the next six, eight months. And he's, he's an, an elected official here. His name is Al Taylor. And Al Taylor walked to Chicago. He, wa he left here and walked to Chicago and he hooked up with someone and they were dealing with the, the crime, the gun violence in Chicago. 
and it's a documentary, you know, and I'll, and I'll share it. I'll share the name, but it's called Chicago, uh, the unnamed war. And I'm, I'm sitting in this theater in times square. And one of the first scenes that they showed was on 63rd and Vernon, where I grew up at, where that Rockshile store is. See, uh, what's happening now is that Parkway Gardens is one of the most treacherous, crime-ridden housing development uh, anywhere in Chicago. And yeah. those, those kids come out of Parkway, and they go and they gangbang with those kids in, in, uh, in East Woodline, West Woodline, they call it, like Everhard and Rhodes and St. Lawrence and all the rest of that. So they're, they're gangbanging. And they were showing kids 15, 16, walking around packing. This is a, a great documentary. And what, what people didn't know, um, I talked about it, was that Parkway Gardens is owned by um, a billionaire real estate developer who built um, a, a mini city here called Hudson Yards. It is the nation's um, most expensive construction project in the history of this country. It's a $20 billion, 10-year project. So his company in Chicago brought Parkway Gardens. He rehabbed every apartment in there. He hired private security. Uh, he put some social services programs in there. And it's an investment for him. You know why? Because 97, 100% of the occupants in there are on Section 8. So that's guaranteed money that's coming in for him and his company. And, and guess what? This same person owns the Miami Dolphins. He owns Parkway Gardens. He, he, he built the most expensive construction project in the country. And he owns the Miami Dolphins. And to this day, he has a black head coach and a black GM of the Dolphins. So when I saw him one day, I said, you know what? Um, I want to congratulate you for two things. One, buying Parkway Gardens in my own neighborhood and trying to turn it around. And then the only NFL owner that has a black head coach and a black GM. So thank you. You know, and the guy's name is Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross. And his company is called the Related Companies. Related Companies. But this, this documentary, and I, I was shared on our phone call um, in two weeks, um, is a documentary that you got to see. It is called Chicago, the Unnamed War. You mean? Thank Looking you. forward to seeing that. That's powerful. That's powerful. Looking forward to seeing that. So, Coach, let me, uh, let me holler at Mike. Mike, I, you know. Turn up a little bit, Mike. Oh, Jack. All right. That's all right. I turned mine up. Okay. You're good. You're good. So, my, Mike, you know, one of the benefits of being a, a, a former High Park athlete, I, I remember that we were always fans of one another. 
And we were always fans of one another's success, whether it be on the court, on the field, wrestling, or, or just in life. So I, I just want you to know, man, I'm still a fan. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I really I brag on you uh, a lot. And I, I know you don't want that. I know you don't ask for that. But, but you know, we, we need to be able to say great things about one another versus saying, you know, somebody's caught up on drugs and stuff like that. So I just want to tell you, thank you for being uh, outstanding. Thank you for being our, our, our MVP. I, I know that what you're talking about is real because we, we came across one another uh, in, uh, in Denver and, uh, um, at the Democratic National Convention. You mm-hmm. sought me out from behind. Brother, you were looking presidential then, you're presidential now. <laughs> and, and I just, when I see you, I know that the legacy continues. I, I, I'm inspired by you and, I, and I'm just glad to be a part at, at this juncture of our lives. I'm glad to be in, in relationship with you. So thank, thank you, you, my brother. Man. Keep on doing what you're doing, man. You're a blessing to all of us. Thank, thank you. you. I appreciate that. And, and, and Jack, Jack knows that, that, that I'm inspired by him also because, you know, when you're in high school and when the people who are ahead of you set a great standard, uh, it's an inspiration. And so Jack playing baseball and basketball and all sports was truly inspiration. I can just think back now and think about the names of Jack Golson and Sam, Sam, Sam Hill and Leighton Smith. And um, one of the greatest uh, evenings I've had in a long time was hooking up with Jack Golson and Ricky Caver oh, in Denver. Oh, you know, and we have the opportunity to uh, uh, talk and and catch up and and fellowship. So that was that was a great evening, and that was about about uh, about ten years ago. Yes, time is long. Yes, you know, and that evening still 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 is etched in in my really? psyche. Yes, and so that was that was a great evening. No, but but thank you for being an inspiration, and thank you for the work that you do in the growth and development of our young minds and our young men, because those, that's the generation that's gonna be the leaders, our future leaders. That's right. Our future leaders. That's right, that's right. I just just wanna say thank you as well to this platform. Mike, I I really don't know you that well, but now I know you, I knew of you, but now I know you. Uh, To piggyback off uh, Sandra, what she was saying, I kind of vaguely remember you when I was high, I can get there until 77, but I kind Mm -hmm. of vaguely remember you, but uh, like, like uh, Sandra said, um, uh, Coach Seals and Coach Hiram, they were so inspirational as well. You know, they, they always pushed you and told you you can do this. And I just really appreciate, you know, the opportunities for this platform and you to encourage us. You know, you, you're at a higher platform now, but I'm looking for, like you said, uh, the manifestation of looking at something small and saying, no, I want it small, I want it big. So I'm encouraged by, by, by your message. And, Continue what you're doing. I like I said, I, I didn't know you, I know of you, but now I know you. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Definitely. That's right. I, 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 I just want to thank you again. If someone else wants to share something else, I, I, I thought I heard Sandra saying something. Um, I, I, I'm honored by the fact that you would take time out of your busy schedule, Mike. Uh, to be on our podcast tonight, uh, we have we have uh, this started like you said. Uh, I, I heard the Lord tell me 
You're always doing things, trying to fit in. I told you what to do and you still want to go do it for somebody else. Do what I told you to do. And so I started this podcast because that's what the Lord led me to do. And our podcast is designed and, and it comes about out of faith of hearing. And I want to say something to Mike before I leave it to all of us, that, that your evidence and all of us on this line of evidence of how the, the Lord will tell us what to do. Uh, 1975, like Art Hiram said, um, God already knew the plan before we were born. He knew exactly where we we're going to be. So it's not an issue of what God is, wants us to do. Can we hear his will? Are we asking, we praying, but are we asking God, are we doing your will or are we trying to do it our way? And so I thank you for being on because I, I didn't know when I started this in February that we're already booked up through uh, part of, uh, of August. Uh, and, and everybody gets on is not a minister, but they, but they all have a spirit that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They, you said faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. But it's, it's not just hearing it. You've been obedient. Uh, you've obeyed. You, you've you've oh, taken yeah. what you heard and trusted it. Mike, you've do done, all uh, Jack Ghoston has heard and has been working with young people. I'm still waiting on him to call me and say, Coach, let me come on and be on the program. It's open door. Whenever you're ready, I told you what I was going to do. I told you what I was going to do before I did it. I told you. And you said, Coach, how do you do it? I said, just start it. Just start it. And, and what is it, uh, seven months now? And we're into July and we're booked up into uh, part of, of August. Uh, next week, we have co-pastor John, Kis uh, uh, co-pastor Gay Chisholm, who's going to be in. She's in Inglewood and, and the services that they provide. They're going to be talking about that. And again, faith. Uh, the week after July 15th, we had the vice president, the president of the High Park Career Academy Alumni Association, uh, Patrice Moore. Uh, we've invited her, Hines, to be on. She said, yes, uh, we want to invite people on to, to talk about what, Mike, what uh, Michael Garner just shared with us, Mr. Garner shared with us, the division of, of how High Park Academy should be impacted by the Obama Center. And what we're asking for uh, is not unreasonable, uh, but there's so much more that if you ask, if you don't ask, don't expect nothing. But we're asking, and we're going to ask big time. And we may, we're going to be wise about it. He said, well, operate in wisdom. So I just want to thank you all for being on. We'll be back on. I pray you come and join us whenever you can. You know this is an open podcast every Thursday. I'll send you the links. Um, if you can't attend, you know, just delete it. You don't have to decline it. Just delete it. <laughs> but I Coach, let me share this with you before I go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this, this, this one thing. Because it, it's historic, but it, it's empowering. So Chicago is still the most segregated city in the country. Amen. Yeah. But segregation created black wealth. Amen. You understand? So when we were growing up, we had R.L. Dukes Oldsmobile. You had Al Johnson Cadillac. Uh, you had Cam and Nate Shoes. Yeah. And, and if, if you were in Nigeria, in 1980, you saw a Jet magazine, Ebony magazine, and Johnson Hair Care products all emulating out of Chicago. So when I was, I was a, a young guy just starting out my career, Harold Washington came here because he had a classmate who was a famous architect by the name of John Wilson. And John Wilson had created these three and four story projects because in Chicago, you know, on State Street, you had these big 
massive projects from the Ickies all the way up to 55th Street or 53rd Street. But John Wilson created these, these three and four story housing projects, which, which was more manageable. And, 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 and they, were, they, were, they were called the Dunbar Apartments in Harlem. So I had a chance to speak to her in Washington. And so Mayor Washington told me, or asked me a question. He said, you know, I travel with my urban planners all the time. You know why? I says, no, I don't know why. He said, because if you're not planning, you're being planned. If you're not planning, you're being planned. Ask, ask all those people who lived in the Taylor Homes and the Ickes Stateway Gardens where, where they are. They were not planning. They were being planned. So they bulldozed their homes and they gave them Section 8, Section 8 vouchers and they had to go out and try to find someplace else to live. Had, had they planned and organized and became a voting block and source, guess what? They would have still been there and those apartments probably would have been rehabbed and created with some quality housing. Now it's half a million dollar townhouses being built on that same, that same land and the, and the, um, the uh, instructor from Hyde Park who just died, her son has a, te a tennis center over there now? Linda Murray. Linda right. Murray. Right. So if you're not planning, you're being planned. Amen. Well, well, we'll, end, we'll, we'll definitely uh, say to Mike and to everyone on the line tonight, we're still planning. We're still believing. Right. We're still marching on. We're still demanding. We're, we're living with expectation of miracles, signs, and wonders. Right. I don't pray just asking. I pray with expectation. And I, I'm thanking God for this, this podcast and for all of you being on. We don't have a big number of people. It doesn't matter. They manage over little, and God will take care of the rest. And so we're faithful to what we do. Uh, we're not. So if any of you that are listening, uh, that are on this line right now, you ever want to be a guest on our podcast, you're, you're welcome. We've had uh, uh, Brother Ronald Drink has been on with his wife, Carol, and shared the miracle of how his wife was healed when the doctors had just told her that's all they could do. That Got home that same afternoon, and he called me and said, Coach, God healed my wife. And, that, that, and so I'm telling you all what we're hearing from Michael Gardner as well is the miracle power of God. And you all are seeing my wife walking around because she had to leave out and go to her sister's house, uh, but she's been listening. And so we wanna thank God for her and uh, for her standing by my side. Uh, coach Himes, you could have never guessed that a young man that you coached and a young man I only knew of by name, but you, you had a chance of coaching, coaching Michael Gardner, and I'm sure you saw qualities in him then. And Jack Goldston, the same way. I've had the privilege of coaching him and uh, Ronald Drink and Sister Sandra. I didn't know you, remember you from that far back, but all of you all have made a difference in my life. And that's why we called and said, hey, just hello. I just, because when you always see my son, Shaman or Aaron or Anton, and Anton Jr. works in Inglewood, I uh, always complimented Coach Seals. And I just did this to say thank you. But look what God has done. He's brought us together to, to ask 
hey, can you give High Park this? Because Mike said, hey, this is a vision. See, we can do this. Don't, don't give up before the miracle. So I say to all of us, don't give up on God because he is the miracle working God. Amen. Amen. I thank you. I appreciate you. 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 I, I'm going to say to Jack Golson before we go in Art Himes, I'd love to have you on Art Himes as a guest. Uh, and you could talk about the years of coaching and years of your service to the community and, and what you see right now, what you would encourage uh, young people and older people to do. As you said last week to us, it's up to y'all to do more. It ain't up to us. It's it. up to, so that, that's what you said, Art. Uh, Jack Golson, the door is still open. Anytime you're ready, the door is open. And we welcome you. Ronald Drink, come back. And Mike Gardner, if you know other people that would love to be on this podcast, we'd love to have them. Uh, if you want to come back, because you are a, a tremendous motivational, inspirational speaker. And the evidence is 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 in the fruit, brother. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for keeping sharing the fruit. Because no, you got a lot of fruit falling off the trees. <laughs> so it's we welcome you back at any time. Michael Gardner. Amen. So Amen. As an inspirational brother who just didn't give up. That's right. And had a vision of being ahead, not behind. So oftentimes we don't think of ourselves, we want to just break even or stuff. But I imagine in Mike's mind, there were some things that he may never share with us, but he knew it were there and he had the faith to follow. So that's that's the big one that I'm seeing. Yeah. I, Thank you. I think what those people also saw Hiram's in, in Michael Gardner and to all of those of you that are listening is the humility that we see it means that you had to surrender yourself and your ego and your pride in order to listen to people that knew more than you. Yeah. And you listened and, and they welcomed you in because they loved your spirit. Yeah. And they welcomed your spirit because you were thirsty for knowledge and you are willing to surrender to hear, to be in the company. Great leaders are born out of great people that had learned how to submit and listen. Yeah. And so that's I want to thank you for and sacrificing. And they're doers of the word. You know, they are doers. doers. They perform. Right. And instead of, you know, the, the extremely weak leaders are the ones that are always trying to prove by announcing their stuff and out front. But if you're doing it, people see it. And you know, and and they're gonna they're gonna say, oh wow, that's that's beautiful. But they gotta know about it, you know. So I'm I'm hoping that as we move forward, that occasionally Mike will be able to come, and they'll have him at Hyde Park to talk to, uh, you know, the students that Amen. that as an inspiration, and also uh, Mike Golston, who I use oftentimes as he came to the transitional program and. I mean, he captured their hearts and it was believable. So, I mean, we just got a wealth of all kind of talent. And it's just a matter of us doing what we did back in the day as we all were family was to share. Nobody tried to beat anybody down. And I think uh, what we saw was teachers who respected students and students who respected teachers. They were yeah. reciprocal and I believe, you know, hey, I'm gonna help you. I'm, I'm not gonna bring you down. I'm going to help you. So, because I, I tell Jack all the time, I say, you guys became my family as I was divorced. I mean, I was 
to the lost. And so coming to school, I mean, that, I mean, I was running to school, seven o'clock practice in the morning, you know, that was a blessing. And to be able to speak with students who were receptive, that was, yeah, that, that's almost unheard of today. Right. A lot of these students don't listen. In fact, they're going to be telling their coaches what to do. Hmm. So, I mean, if you tell that, that didn't happen in your era. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know, it was, well, you had extended family, you had your, your parents, your neighbors, and if you did wrong, uh, that preceded you as you went home, and mama had a surprise for you. Yeah. It wasn't no <laughs> gift. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, my wife, if she was in the house right now, she's listening in. She would say, baby, you know, you get so excited, you don't know how to turn the program off and say thank you all. It's just, yeah. but I do thank all of you. And yeah, okay. Hines, thank you all right. for sharing those comments. Uh, we welcome you. But we thank Mike. I mean, that, that's thank my you, new Mike. Program. Once again, our special guest, Michael Gardner. Yeah. the Chief Diversity Inclusion Officer at the Metropolitan Transportation Authority out of New York State. And we also want to get a shout out to, to Governor Como for trusting you, mm -hmm. for selecting you, yeah. and for all the other great men that you've served under. Praise God for the story and the history of what you shared. Oh, and yeah, that would be encouraged. Oh, yeah. That would do. Yes, it would. Brothers and sisters, we'll be back on next Thursday. Brothers and sisters, and we thank you for being on. Thank you all my guests that are on right now. Let's just take 30 seconds, just say thank you, Lord. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for, and please bless every person that's on this line. Continue to use Michael, God, beyond things, even, even greater greats, because it gets greater, God. And even a lot of rain, blessings of his life. Let all the things that he does continue to give you glory. And what you do and him do and every one of these individuals on this phone, that you get the glory. Because all of us have a heart that just want to see the best for our communities and our family. And they're not selfish people on this line. So I thank you, God, and I, I bless your holy name. Bless over this podcast. Bless over all of your families. Till we meet again, and always know that God is with you. He's always near. Thank you. This is Elder Anton, Elder Jennifer Sears on the the tabernacle of fire in you. Peace of God be with you. Love you, Iron. Amen. All right. Take, Take care, everybody. Take care. Great job. Great job. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Wow.